Matthew chapter 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus, Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zariah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jerome, Jerome the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shatil, Shiltiel, Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abud, Abud the father of Elakim, Elakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elud, Elud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile of Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Christ. This is how the birth of Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Here ends the reading.
Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Gracious Father, as we turn to your word, we pray that you would help us. Help us to understand, help us to hear, help us to be challenged, to be corrected, to be enthused, to be encouraged, to change our thinking in ways that are in line with your word. And help me, we pray. Please keep me from error, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. We start... Uh, I apologise. I apologise for that reading. Aren't biblical genealogies boring? Aren't they? Have you ever read that? You have read it, yes. But I tell you, I, a lot of times when you get to Matthew chapter 1... You skip it. You skip all those names and you just get to the verse 18 to 25. So I apologise to Caleb for reading that. Thank you for doing that. Oh, I owe you one just as I owe Jim. It's interesting Jim did that. So it's hard to read privately. It's hard to read publicly. There's no doubt about that. But the genealogy establishes Jesus's Jewish credentials. Matthew is often thought to be a gospel that is written to people who are of Jewish descent. And the, and the uh, genealogy, genealogy, makes sure he undergirds who Jesus is in his Jewish credentials. Verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah the son of David, son of Abraham. This first part of, of Matthew's gospel to chapter 4, verse 16, is all about making sure that we identify Jesus as the Messiah. So firstly, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, son of Abraham. Son of David, son of Abraham. Son of David is a very Jewish message, and you could say son of Abraham is a very universal message. What do I mean? The two promises of God of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 and 2 Samuel 7 are very key here in the thinking of Matthew, very key in the Bible's thinking about Jesus. Matthew is making the claim that Jesus is the fulfilment of both these promises, promises made to Abraham, promises made to David. This installs him as the fulfilment of all that Jewish people were looking for. If you get to the end of the Old Testament, have you got it there? If you're holding it up, you see how thick it is. It's about that holding a Bible. You're not holding your Bible. You see how thick it is because you're right near the start. All that is fulfilled in Jesus. That's what Matthew's saying. Anything you grab in your hand is there. The end of the Old Testament, those promises are unfulfilled and are looking forward to being fulfilled. Matthew wants to make sure his audience understand now is the time that they have been fulfilled. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Matthew's gospel 
as we said, was written to a Jewish audience and Matthew is establishing Jesus' Jewish pedigree. Son of David will be a very important term for Matthew. We're going to go through Matthew's gospel and he uses that term, son of David, more times than Mark and Luke put together. 2 Samuel 7 promise, verse 16, says this, To David, your house and your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. Matthew is saying King David's promise is fulfilled in Jesus, the king forever, the son of David. But as, as we said, he is also the universal fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Because in the promises to Abraham, right from the start of the Bible, it's actually not all for Jewish people. That is a mistake. When we read Abraham chapter 12, verse uh, chapter 12, you find that all people will be blessed through him. Chapter 3, uh, verse 3b of chapter 12, all people on earth will be blessed through you. This is a big statement. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these promises, not just to Jewish people, but to the message that would go to the world. The world was meant to come because of the Messiah. Matthew is saying, that he is, they are coming in Jesus. If you jump to the end of Matthew's gospel in chapter 28, you know that famous bit where it is the commission to go to all the world and to baptize and preach to all the nations and I will be with you always to the end of the age. Matthew has an enormous scope for what is happening and what he's about to give you. The genealogy directs that direction you're going into. Secondly, this is all unexpected, and Matthew highlights how unexpected it is in verses 2 to 5. Where is Jesus from? He's from all sorts of places, but particularly from Abraham and David. But uh, do you remember... Does anyone ever remember reading the authorised version? Anyone ever read the authorised version? Do you know what an authorised version is? The one the Presbyterians like? No. It's uh, the King James Version. Remember it went begat? Remember the word begat? Has anyone heard of the word begat? What does begat mean? Well, it means the father of. So anyway, there were 39 begats through this. And in this version, you don't have to read beget. 39 times. But as you're going around through the genealogy, the flow is interrupted. And when it's interrupted, you need to note that because that's a very key moment or key person that is being highlighted. The first interruption comes in verse 2. There's an addition to and his brothers to Judah's name. It reminds people that Judah is one tribe out of 12. It reminds that Israel was once 
12 tribes, but that's no longer the case. It reminds us that the promise of God came under threat when the 10 tribes, the northern tribes, were taken by the Assyrians in 722 BC and dispersed to a place that we still don't actually know today. In their place, when the Assyrians had a po uh, policy, they took some other people, deported them, and put them into Samaria. And that is the Samaritans that Jesus bumps into in his day. When that happened, it looked like the threat of the promise was very nigh. It looked like Judah would not keep the line going. But you see in verse 3, another interruption. Tamar comes into the picture. Tamar is suspected of being a harlot. Do you know what that word means? I don't like explaining it, but anyway. She's meant to be a woman of mixed character, let's say. But more importantly, she's a Canaanite. That's ironic because the Jewish messianic line is preserved by a gentle woman. That's a great surprise. There are actually five women in this genealogy. Did you notice that? That is also a great surprise. I've stretched it because the fifth one is actually referred to by her husband's name, but she's there. They interrupt the flow of the text, and as I said, in every case, they are important and critical. They represent a real threat to what happened, to what could happen in bringing about the Messiah. Israel, ironically, is being led by foreign women. Remember what the, one of the things that they were meant, not meant to do when they went into the Promised Land? They were not meant to intermarry. That's a great irony, isn't it? But the fact that God would use their disobedience to bring about his promises is actually not a surprise. If you're a person who knows that you've lived and looked at your own life, you realise that God uses your fumblings and bumblings and dis even disobedience to bring about his purposes. Nothing has changed, and Matthew wants to make sure that that's there. It's unexpected. It's a actually quite provocative attack on messianic purity. If you think the, mess, the, the Messiah is pure, Matthew is saying, think again. God, in his ways because of our disobedience, has intervened and brought all sorts of things but he has brought about all that so that Jesus would come, our Messiah. He is an unexpected Messiah. And thirdly, in verse 6, you see an unexpected shame. As I said, there are five women in this genealogy, and that is highly unusual that Matthew would put women's name into a genealogy because... In the day, the convention was to have men's names only. But Matthew puts them in and he highlights in 6b something even stranger, the name 
Uriah interrupts the text. Who is Uriah? Bill, Bill knows them as a, a rock and roll group. No, not that one. Bill, not Uriah Heap. Graham's probably watching. He's probably a Uriah Heap fan, my guess. Uriah is the husband of Bathsheba. She doesn't get mentioned. It's very interesting. But she's mentioned by using Uriah's name. Why does Matthew do that? It highlights the great problem that is what happened to Uriah. His very mention draws attention to the crime that David has committed. Now, I know Bathsheba is often painted as an adulterer, but not by me. And I think Matthew hints that I'm right. He doesn't accuse her of the crime, but points it to where it belongs. King David. David's crime of adultery and murder sets a stage where the whole Davidic line, sorry, Davidic is a word that show-offs use, so David's line falls, starts to decline. And you'll see the reference to Jeconiah, who is Jehoiachin. Do you remember King Jehoiachin? I just love that name, Jehoiachin, not Jehoiakin, Jehoiachin, and his brothers in verse 11. That's another interruption. It reminds the reader of how the promises seem to be almost cancelled. Because in Jeremiah chapter 22, Jehoiachin goes into exile. The Babylonians come, remember 722, the northern kingdom gets swished away. But in 586, after the Babylonians come and take Judah, the last two tribes, and exile them, when they do that, Jehoiachin is king and he's childless. And it's only in exile, once he is no longer king and he's suffering in the Babylonian kingdoms, jails, that he actually becomes a father to a son. He actually has a number of sons. So the text reminds us that this great disaster that was the exile was overcome by God. Uh, just uh, if you want to see Jehoiachin's name mentioned, by the way, outside of the Bible, uh, in the late 19th century, we dug up Babylon. Not me, of course, uh, not we, but uh, not the Presbyterian Church in New South Wales. No, we didn't do that. Uh, they dug it up and they found a tablet and it's called the Jehoiachin Ration Tablets. And it's just simply a tablet that the Babylonians had and it records how much food was given to all the prisoners. And guess what? One of the names on the tablets was Jehoiachin and his sons, confirming what the Bible said. It wasn't translated till 1956. And I can assure you, between the time they found it and 1956, there was a whole bunch of people saying, this stuff is all made up. It doesn't exist. It's all rubbish. 1956. There's his name, 
There's his sons. And you can even find how much they were fed. Matthew is saying, just as Psalm 137 said, we weep by the rivers of Babylon, not uh, that rock group song. Jesus, that sad event was overcome by God and fulfilled in the person of Jesus. We might have had 12 tribes, but that is no longer the case. Jesus has come to fulfill. And so thirdly, the verses 16 to 17, it talks about Jesus, the unexpected Messiah, because in verse 16, we don't know it, but he is born of divine conception. It's not clear in verse 16, but it will be made clear in verses 18 to 25, because verses 18 to 25 are actually part of the genealogy. Mary, his mother, is mentioned. The women in this genealogy are crucial to God's plans and they overturn expectations. The Lord is not rigid and fixed, but will surprise and will achieve the purposes which he has set out to do. God declared in Isaiah 42 and 43, he was going to do a new thing. And here it is. It's a surprise, a surprising intervention, an intervention that means that Jesus has come as a new movement of God. David's name adds up to 14. What do I mean? D adds is number four. The V is actually a W, but anyway, that's different. It adds up, it's number six, and the D, as I said, is four. So four plus four is eight, and six is 14. That might be why, it's a, it's a possibility, it might be why there's 14 generations in each section, it says in verse 17. David's name was 14, so was the 14 generations. There's only 13 names mentioned in the first section, probably assuming the name Abraham. And then the last section, Jesus is number 13, but his title Messiah is the 14th. This is an unexpected thing, but Jesus is bringing in an unexpected movement of God, which verses 18 to 25 finishes with this unexpected end. It is the fourth period, verses 18 to 25, and it's initiated in the conception of Jesus, which of course itself is completely unexpected. It is the climax of Israel's history and is the climax of the promises to Abraham and to David. The mess message, as you see at the end of Matthew's Gospel, is for the whole world. It's got some interesting things in it because Joseph, Jesus' father, just like the patriarch, Joseph had a father named 
Jacob. They both had the same name. Like the Joseph of old, this Joseph experiences revelation in dreams. Do you remember Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat? You've never heard of him, have you? Everyone knows that from the musical. But he was, God spoke to him in dreams. Like Joseph of old, he was guided in God's ways and he demonstrated high moral principles. Do you remember Potiphar's wife? And remember how Joseph stood his ground and how he suffered? So this Joseph is a man of great integrity and obedient to God and in the very conception of Jesus, it's a complete challenge to him and his ways. Like Jesus, no, sorry, like Joseph, Jesus' father goes to Egypt, just as Joseph did. And both Joseph's work, both of them, the patriarch and this Joseph, both their times lead to the redeeming of God's people, first through the Exodus from Egypt and now through Jesus who is going to lead them from, from exile back into the promised land of being with their father. She will give birth to a son, verse 21, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 25, the boy Jesus' name means God saves. God, Jesus, will save them from their sins, lead them out of exile, back to God, and this boy will save. He will save all humankind who come to him. The big claim that is made here is that Jesus is greater than the temple because in the temple meant in the old covenant that God was with us. Now, Matthew is saying, that has been this, that has been triumphed over by the person of Jesus. God has now come in him. In the person of Jesus, the promised king has come. And if you look at verse 25, unlike the other parts of the genealogy, it's open-ended. It's open-ended for a reason because it will not conclude, we assume, until Jesus returns. Jesus is the son of David, but more importantly, perhaps, the son of Abraham, the carrier of this universal blessing to the nations, the one which the end of Matthew's gospel refers to. Just turn to it with me, if you will, and read it. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew is saying this universal rescue mission 
has come and is started in the person of Jesus, the one who fulfills all of God's promises to his people, son of David, son of Abraham. That will be concluded when Jesus comes again and he is all in all and he will bring in the promised new creation. It's a huge start. It's a big start for an unexpected but triumphant Messiah. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we, uh, we thank you that you, such a big message. Matthew, we, we confess that genealogies, uh, genealogies are completely boring to us. They're hard for us to read. They're hard to understand. They're, we miss them. And uh, certainly I have in the past. But, Lord, we realize that so much is communicated about that, about Jesus in this passage. Thank you that you do the unexpected. You have done the unexpected in our own lives. It's unexpected that we are even yours, perhaps. But you know best. You reached reach forth and knew us before all time and are bringing us to yourself. We're thankful that in Jesus you have a way and a message that all people can stream to and all people can walk in and follow. Thank you that in your good time you fulfilled all your promises and that your spirit has gone forth to all the world that all may stream to you who are yours. Father, we praise you. Father, we thank you. And we pray that you would make us people who continue in that mission. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.